0: We wanted to make me, my spouse, and Adai a joint creative effort between husband and wife. Right now, I'm sitting down with Austin to get a little insight into how he created the world in which we find ourselves, the land of Moyer. also known as Octavia Marguerite Sinclair, and welcome to this special episode of Me, My Spouse, and a Die. Right now I'm sitting down with my husband, Austin, and we are going to dive into his brain a little bit, and he is going to tell us about his creative process in creating this campaign and the world that my character finds herself. So hello, Austin. Hello. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: All right, uh, we'll see how much I feel like saying. But I am Austin, <laughs> as she said. Um, I'm Gwyneth's husband, have Indeed. been for two and a half-ish years at this point. Yeah, coming um, up
0: on three, probably. Soon. So
1: that's pretty fun. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a PhD candidate in physical chemistry, uh, so if anyone out there knows what EPR means, hit me up, and <laughs> we cannot chat about it because I don't want to. Um <laughs>
0: That is work. This is play. <laughs> this
1: is play. This is fun times. Um,
0: yeah. So tell us a little bit about your experience with, um, you know, the Dungeons of Dragons and other forms of tabletop RPGs.
1: Yeah. So I feel <laughs> I was gonna say I know there are people out there who are like I started playing D and D at first edition. Um, I I I did not. Uh, but I do feel like a little bit of a D and D hipster because I got in before the fifth edition. Uh, craze, so I started. <laughs> I know, right? I started playing Fourth Edition, uh, which takes mm-hmm. a lot of takes a lot of heat, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I uh, started playing Fourth Edition in college with my roommates. Uh, we had been like. Uh, we had been interested in, in playing D&D, but there was still a bit of that sort of negative, nerdy mm-hmm. connotation. But we were just like, you know, we don't have any other friends anyway. Screw it. Uh, <laughs> so. You
0: were studying chemistry. I so. was studying
1: chemistry. Uh, yeah. So we, well, I, I bought the, uh, fourth edition starter set and, uh, we started playing through the basic starter campaign. I made my first character. Uh, he was an elven rogue named Veldin the Swift. Uh, and he died in the climax of that starter uh, <laughs> oh.
0: starter set
1: battle. Uh, Necromancer killed him. Oh. Um, but that was my first experience, and we we continued playing. We went and we bought a fourth edition uh, campaign, one of the pre written mm-hmm. modules, and we started running that. I think it was the like the Scepter Tower of Spellguard or something like that. Uh but but I sort of. We rotated DMing duties, and so I started as a player, but over the course of the campaign, I sort of migrated into uh, dungeon mastering. Mm-hmm. So that was my first uh, experience, and we played off and on, but that was right sort of at the end of 4th Edition's tenure and 5th mm-hmm. Edition released shortly after that. Um and so I know I, I played a couple one-shots with my family. I played a couple one-shots with you, and we were part mm-hmm. of uh, a couple session campaign with some other friends at the end of uh, at the end of college. But then um, graduated, moved to as you said in your interview, moved to a new city uh, with right. no <laughs> no real <laughs> groups um, that were active. So we decided to start playing one-on-one, and I dungeon mastered, and I have. Uh enjoyed that campaign greatly so I'm excited about this.
0: Well we are excited and I am excited to be campaigning with you as well. So thinking that, you know, seeing how you have a, a decent amount of experience DMing actually, you know, several years, um, and you've, cam- you've DMed both one-on-ones with me, uh, with the Sarasa campaign, and then also uh, DMed, you know, full party, full party campaigns. How is DMing, you know, one-on-one different than DMing for a full, you know, five, four, seven person party? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely different. I haven't actually... I've definitely had more experience DMing uh, Mm one-on-one. Currently... Uh, as far as DMing an actual group through a campaign, I've done a one shot or two, but we had a couple sessions of Curse of Strahd before that group disintegrated, and then we've got <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> we've got a, a group going currently that seems pretty strong. Um, we're what ten ten or so sessions in, so that's exciting. I think we but had our
0: ninth session, so we a record breaker finally.
1: <laughs> I know it's it's so oh, gosh it warms my heart. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's it's very it's very different. Um, so I think yeah, so the the nice.
0: Yeah, what's what's good and different about that? Yeah, sorry,
1: go ahead. Say so, uh DMing for a full party is nice because you can basically um I mean there's lots of of skills and different abilities that can be used to overcome sort of any obstacle and if one person gets stuck at some puzzle you created that maybe you didn't fully think through or you were like, maybe. Oh, maybe I I had this particular solution in mind, but they're going in a completely different direction. Um there's lots of room to sort of like, you know, people, uh, lots mm-hmm. of people will come up with lots of creative things. Whereas with one person, uh, if they don't come to a certain conclusion or maybe they, they try something and it doesn't work uh, and they can't think of anything else, you're both just kind of like, well, I guess yeah. we'll, we'll make something up from here. Um, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: At the same time, um, one of the nice things about DMing one-on-one is that when you have a full party... You know, you've got four or five people, and as the DM, I, at least I, I don't know about other DMs, but I'm personally trying to, you know, make sure everyone is contributing, make sure everyone has their time yeah. in the spotlight, make sure everyone, mm-hmm. you know, shares the the important things, and, you know, it's not one person always doing the cool plot stuff and somebody mm-hmm. else who's mm-hmm. just like, I'm along for the ride. Um, mm-hmm. S-
0: mm-hmm.
1: So when I only have one person... It's nice because you know they always get the spotlight all of the time. You know you can mm-hmm. tailor, uh, you can tailor the story specifically to that one person and that one. You know their defining traits. So you don't have a, a bunch of different backstories and a def- bunch of different conflicting things to weave together. You've just got one. Right. And I know. Uh, Sometimes in, in character creation, uh, one of the tropes that people sometimes try to avoid is uh, the, the sort of like chosen one arc. Because if you're a chosen one in a group of five people, are the other four <laughs> people not chosen ones? Are they yeah. just like your handmaids or, mm-hmm. you know, servants? Yeah. Uh, but it, it that sort of chosen one thing works really well for one-on-one. And you can make, mm-hmm. you know, a very, you know, special uh, character without having to worry about. Uh, stepping on anyone else's toes. So I think that's yeah. fun.
0: Yeah, that totally makes sense, too. And then um, With this contrast between the full party and the one-on-one, you know, what's your process? So the, the campaign that we're gonna be running is a homebrew um, And the the one-on-one campaign that we had previously was also a homebrew So what is your process when making a world and making a campaign? <laughs>
1: Actually, I thought of one more thing I want to add.
0: That is also to the totally fine. We can, I was we can refer say, back to that previous question, too.
1: <laughs> the huge thing is combat balancing sucks one-on-one. Oh, it's yeah. very hard to do. Um,
0: sea <laughs> giant weasel.
1: I was going to say, as uh, Dungeon Masters know, the sort of CR system in uh, the Monster Manual isn't, is more of a guideline than a rule anyway, and when you only have one person... Uh, it just gets very interesting um, to to try to make combats that are not going to just murder your one party member while yep. also being, you know, engaging enough and and interesting enough. So mm-hmm. that's a big thing.
0: Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And as coming from a player who's almost been murdered and has also, you know, been able to defeat things easily, I can understand how that would be kind of frustrating. Yeah so thinking thinking back again um into that that creative process in the the overarching in the broad sense, what's your process with when making a world and making a campaign um and you know what goes into you know do you start small and then go big or do you go big and then go small, or what exactly do you do
1: uh so for me personally um this world is that that this campaign will take place in is kind of fun because uh this is the same world that I'm running our personal group campaign in this is mm-hmm. the same world that we ran our previous uh one-on-one campaign in mm-hmm. uh so each time we play in it we sort of build into the lore and the history and I think that's really interesting but um I don't know if I necessarily have a, a process for world building itself. I do for campaign making, and I'll talk about that in a second. But mm-hmm. this world is fun because we both sort of had a hand in making this. And I remember sitting yeah. on a park bench with you talking about, you know, this really, you know, fun idea. And it started with uh, what, that there was a giant, like, mountain cat guardian yeah. uh, inside the mountains of the world. Yeah. And that sort of shaped... uh shaped everything from there. So I've taken this idea and just sort of built on it slowly. And I Mm -hmm. definitely start small and then build out. Uh, Mm -hmm. For our first campaign, I only... I made, like, a village, and that was Mm -hmm. it. And then I expanded, you know, oh, she's going to go here, so I had to build this town. And, uh, you know, after that, I generally had, like... I had a continent map, and I had different cities and a couple, like, bullet points as to what they were, but I didn't really flesh anything out. And so going into... Um, This sort of campaign, I I wanted to flesh things out a bit more, make the world feel a bit more alive and organic. And so uh, the first thing I thought about was uh, I nailed down a planar system, and I nailed down uh, Mm -hmm. the deities, the pantheon, and the religions, because I think Mm -hmm. that forms a lot of uh, what sort of how the world is shaped and the different cultures, if you can nail down, well, they're, you know, they worship this person or yeah. they revolve around this core belief. Uh, so I did that first because uh, I already had, as I mentioned, I already had a map. I already had general uh, cities and demographics. So I figured out, I fleshed out the religions, and then I went through and based on sort of the the lore from the previous campaign, and mm-hmm. these new thoughts I went through and, and generated a step-by-step history uh, from the start of the world up to the current day and then sort of branched out from there. So it's it's still not fully, fully fleshed out. It's one of those things where uh, I'll continue building it as you continue exploring it. And uh, you <laughs> yep. can add on to it and I can add on to it. And it's sort of a collaborative uh, effort.
0: Yeah, that is something that is really cool. I do distinctly remember uh you know being part of that initial Hmm. that initial like this is oh think of this about this world and that's been really cool to kind of have that collaborative effort too but then obviously you've taken taken the um you know the majority of that work and so why don't you tell us a little bit about the world we do find ourselves in
1: um well i the the land of moir and it's it's interesting you should mention that because uh, you are also responsible for just making the entire city-state of Malik, which we may true. or may not visit. I'm not sure where things will go. I um, know.
0: It's, I always have a little bit of my heart in Malik.
1: Yeah, so that's that's a dragonborn city that I had not planned, but she was like, I come from this this place. And so I was like, okay, well, I guess there's a dragonborn city out in the desert now. Uh, so that <laughs> that was pretty fun. Um, but yeah, this, this world is called Mawir. It used to be called, I think, like, moir Moiron, but you pointed out that Moiris? sounded like mor- Moron, and so I yeah. changed it to Moiris. <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, I didn't like the sound of that either, so I shortened it to Moir, uh, which I like. Um, so I'm not going to go into the, the deep, deep histories of uh, what I have. I did sort of type up the historical context yeah. uh, that this... Uh, this particular campaign is going to find itself in uh so the the quick cliff notes version <laughs> of this world is that uh long ago uh basically the continent was entirely uh elves ancient elves and uh the the three gods of the world had given them uh, uh the had sent down the dragons to sort of watch over and be guardians of the land. So there were one each of the chromatic dragons, one one each of the uh, metallic dragons, who were sort of the protectors. They were called the sacred tribunal. They were the protectors uh, of the land. Through a, a course of events, a... Uh, a bunch of, of monsters in the depths of the sea known as the Aboleth sort of uh, poisoned the minds of the chromatic dragons and turned them against the metallic dragons and the elves and there was a huge war that was fought uh, between these two sides, the Aboleth and the chromatic dragons and the metallic dragons and the elves, which lasted for a long time. Lots of people died and eventually it ended that the uh, the Aboleth and the meta- the chromatic dragons sort of won. Uh, they they uh, slew the metallic dragons and the the rest of the elves retreated deep uh into tunnels underground Mm -hmm. and sort of they they ruled the land for a while and eventually they started getting into deep dark uh devil magics and the gods eventually decided that uh, they needed to step in and intervene and so they sent the judgment where they sort of uh coalesced their essences into uh, one sort of harbinger or avatar of themselves that, uh, went across the land and purged it of the, the dragons and the aboleth and mm-hmm. banished the aboleth to, to, to a different plane and killed the chromatic dragons and imprisoned their souls into magical artifacts so they could. They, it was a punishment so they would basically be imprisoned forever so they'd always be there but they wouldn't have the the freedom and the power they had but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so after that point uh, a period of unknown time went by before new life sprang up on the continent and now there, you know this this life was in the form of elves again but also humans dwarves gnomes etc all the other races and so they started the society that we find ourselves in and yeah i th- i think That's about what I'm going to say. There's a few more things that have happened in recent context, but I am going to... We can get into that in the actual campaign.
0: Sounds good. That is... Uh, a good good overview and some good historical context to kind of see, you know, these, these would have been stories that Octavia would have known, you know, growing up and kind of legends and stuff. So I think yes. it's really helpful to kind of know where she's coming from and know where the entire world has has been so far.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, I know, like, <laughs> part of the thing in, in creating this world and creating this campaign is I've been really sort of trying to struggle with um, – you know, coming up with original ideas because Mm -hmm. some people say there are no original ideas and then you look at some other, uh, you know, podcasts or other campaigns or other people, creators, and they're like, wow, that's a really cool idea. But I wanted this to be some very stereotypical dungeons and dragons things yeah. i want dungeons i want a dragons <laughs> uh, and i i just want to put my own spin on that so it might not be you know a war between dragons and elves may not be the most original thing in the world but um i think i wanted to put my little flavor on it and as long as we're having fun i think i think that should be enough
0: i definitely agree i think so too so, kind of looking forward prospectively, since we've you know talked a lot about our creative process and getting to the point where we currently are, yes. uh, what are you what are you looking forward to most about starting and continuing this podcast? And then, what are you also kind of seeing as potential challenges or um, you know obstacles that we'll have to kind of get over in the coming months?
1: Um. Well, I'm looking forward to just playing this again um i i'm mm-hmm. having a lot of fun playing uh dming the group but uh this is also fun dming you know one-on-one so i'm looking forward to making a new story with you and uh
0: Yay, me too.
1: <laughs> and finding out some new things about uh about the world and about what what has happened um uh, just, just so everyone knows, this campaign is actually taking in the past, before either her pre, the previous campaign I ran with with Gwyneth, or the current uh, group personal campaign I'm running. So this is sort of. Defining the history of of those Mm -hmm. campaigns. So I think that'll be very, very interesting. I'm looking forward to that. Um,
0: A prequel, but good ones.
1: Yes, a (laughs) a good prequel. (laughs) No trade embargoes here. That's a lie. There actually is a trade embargo. Oh,
0: dear. Tax! I know about
1: that. Intergalactic taxes. But, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I mean, I, again, I don't know if anyone is going to listen to this or give their input. (laughs) <laughs> um so i i think it'd be nice to see if if other people enjoy what we do um mm-hmm. so i think that would be that would be cool but that's also one of the challenges and i'm uh generally a self-conscious person and uh uploading this to the internet is terrifying uh to say the least Uh so anyone listening, please be kind. <laughs> please be kind to us. Um, so I don't think that'll necessarily be a challenge, mm-hmm. but it, I mean, I mean, I mean, it will be. Um, yeah. But I'm mostly just excited to uh, start this. I think I've got some fun ideas uh, for the actual campaign itself. I'm very excited for for some of the things I've cooked up over the few past few weeks, and I I'm excited to see your character in action. So I think that will be a lot of fun.
0: I think so too, and I am really excited to see the ways in which, you know, Octavia is going to interact in the world and see how the world's, you know, different and the ways that she's going to change it, and I think that's really exciting to be in such a dynamic world and with a dynamic character and how the world and the character are going to kind of change each other and, you know, develop over time, which totally makes sense, because that's how actual worlds and actual people develop, so I'm really excited about that. True, true, true. Well, thank you so much for for telling us about the world. Is there anything else that you would like to tell our five listeners, uh, <laughs> or times five listeners, um, prior to heading out?
1: Um. Just yeah. Again, thank you for listening. Um, if you enjoy what you are listening to, please listen to our actual episodes and be sure to uh, uh, rate, review, and subscribe to us because that would be wonderful and it would make my heart be very happy.